Running it short, feeding it in for Pereira. Hello ladies and gents and welcome to another edition of the 3 and in pod, slightly later than usual. We'll be previewing the upcoming games so let us know what you think on Twitter at 3 and in pod, that's all words at 3 and in pod, where you can also find links to all of our episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes and Acast. I'm Chris and with me as always I have my co-host Sam. Hello. So coming up in today's show, it's been a busy week. With the EFL Cup, Yaya's agent says no-no to an apology. Another defeat leaves Moo feeling blue. And Joey Barton continues to make friends north of the border. But let's kick things off with the tastiest fixture of this weekend. Arsenal against Chelsea. London derbies. I've, I've, I've never actually seen Arsenal beat Chelsea at the Emirates. So hopefully that's a, that's a trend that's bucked tomorrow. Uh, on Saturday, sorry. Well, Arsenal with two big wins in a week and goals for the new boys. Jack has got two now in a week and Perez got two in the midweek. In the midweek fixture, yeah. And two howitzers from Granite Xhaka. Yeah. Both left footers. Is he left footed? Yeah. Um, I don't know why I thought he was right footed. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, it's, he's trying to do the talking with his feet, really. Trying to get the manager's attention, trying to ask him with uh, his performances why he's not starting. I think that can be attributed to the fact that, first of all, Cochrane's done himself no disservice. He's been playing pretty well. I think it's more to do with the fact that with Arsenal trying to bed in a new defensive central defensive partnership of uh, uh, Mustafi and Koscielny, um, Arsene's trying to go with something that he's he knows works with Coughlin and Cazorla in the middle of uh, midfield so I, I don't think it's anything to do with Xhaka's training or performances or Arsene having any doubts about him I think it's just just to let the team settle and with two f- four goal salvos who's to argue with the decision there is it a case that Arsenal, over the kind of recent years, have sort of struggled against the, the so-called bigger teams? And do, like, do you think that would be a problem this weekend? Well, if Chelsea uh, play anywhere like they did against Liverpool, then no, definitely not. They they got their tactics completely wrong yeah, and absolutely. they offered nothing, basically. Liverpool, granted, they put them to the sword just as, just as well, didn't put them to the sword, but... It could have they, been, they were deserving winners, yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, I think Klopp may have been a bit relieved by the end of the game. I think um, that's always how we feel, but you know, we'll talk more about it yeah, later. Exactly. Um, Plus, Chelsea have now conceded two goals in five games this season. It's not something you really associate with Chelsea, nor Conte teams for that matter, being quite lax at the back. That's, I think it's a personnel thing, really. Ivanovic was culpable for... A lot of the problems against Liverpool. Ivanovic has been hopeless for the last season in a bit now. Like, truly hopeless. It's, it's, there's a 
lack of options that they have there. So it's it's gonna it's gonna persist. John Derry's out, of course. Uh, David Luiz is played his first game against Liverpool. He did okay, I think. Um, but he's not the centre half, especially if he's playing alongside Gary Cahill, who's yeah, fucking useless these days, isn't he? It just looks like he's kind of struggling positionally. Yeah. Uh, and playing next to David Luiz is never going to help that. He's going to step out so many times. And while he's obviously really useful at playing the ball out from the back, when he steps forward, he's leaving a big gap behind him. And Gary Cahill doesn't really seem to know whether to stay in line with him or drop back. And that could be a problem that happens quite often when they it's, play next to each other. It's It's a really important few weeks for Gary Cahill, to be honest, because... We got Zuma. They got Zuma coming back, um, and it seems like if Gary Cahill loses his place in the Chelsea team, he's going to lose his place in the England team, and it's just all going to come falling down for him. Like he's he's he's, he's been a mainstay uh, in the Chelsea defense for best part of three three four years now, and um, it seems like that tenure is kind of coming to an end for him. Um, but he needs to turn it around pretty soon. So pressure's on for him. How do you see this panning out? Usually in these kinds of games, you don't really get very high-scoring results, but both defences look quite shaky. You, Granted, it was different players, but you conceded four against Liverpool at the beginning of the season, and I remember you mentioning on the pod a large part of that was to do with not tracking runners from midfield. Hazard looked has looked really good at the beginning of the season, and he could play a crucial part. Chelsea, like we mentioned, look dodgy defensively. So, yeah, I see quite a high-scoring game. I'm going to go 2-2. So Chelsea faced Leicester midweek in the EFL Cup. And they'll be looking to bounce back after their 4-2 defeat against a United side completely shot for confidence. Mourinho just looks like a different man. He doesn't look like the same... Manager that we're used to seeing, he's got bags under he's his got eyes. Huge bags under his eyes, and he's rambling a lot. I I found in his uh, interviews before everything was really measured, and he'd be sarcastic, and he'd be he would say really pointed things. Now it's just he's saying the first things that comes to his head, rather than rather than having a, having a like a a planned speech, so to speak. And like even after. This evening's game, we we just watched them uh, beat Northampton three one, and he's he's just contradicting himself with literally everything he says. He says, uh, I, "I don't like to talk about individuals." Uh, when asked about Michael Carrick's impressive performance, yet he's willing to call out Luke Shaw and Mkhitaryan and Lingard. Yeah, and it's a case where remember in his first spell at Chelsea. He was always about the group and if his players got criticised, he'd kind of take the blame for it. It's completely different this time. Create a siege mentality. Yeah. And this time it's been blame the ref, blame the players, blame anyone but himself. No, he blames three things. He 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 goes, who did he blame? He blamed uh, individual errors, he blamed referees and he blamed luck. Man United's midfield has been a significant problem. He's kind of played four two three one for the majority of the season so far, and he switched to a four three three, which everyone thought would kind of help Pogba. Something we mentioned last week as well, but 
the biggest problem just seems to be fitting Rooney and Pogba in the same side or putting Rooney in the team at all, really. Rooney's he's just not disciplined positionally. He he'll 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 be all over the pitch, and it just it's just isolated at Ibrahimovic, and it's meant that one minute he's he's sort of playing in a deep a deep line midfield position, and then uh, the whoever's playing there Pogba vacates that place, and then uh, Rooney goes back to his original number ten position, leaving massive gaps all over the pitch, and he's doing this everywhere. He's ending he ends up at centre half, he ends up at fullback, and it's just it's. The rest of the players don't know what to do about it. For some reason as well, it seems like pundits in this country seem to think that's a good thing. They're constantly defending Wayne Rooney. Uh, okay, I mean, like, when he's been on the ball, he's done, He's not He's not giving the ball away a billion times. Well, well the he, last yeah, game against he, Watford, he, he did, that yeah. highlight reel of mistakes was comical. Yeah, but Usually, on, the, on yeah. the whole, he's been all right on the ball, so the stuff he does looks okay, but to... The, that's to the untrained eye. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it, anyone who any anyone who's looking at the overview of the game knows that it's just damaging, really. And what what's the output been? He's he's had what two assists, I think, all season. I assume most of them from set pieces as well. well I think one was for the Rashford got a goal against uh, the Hull, Hull, yeah, and one was for the Ibrahimovic header. I think against Southampton. Well, I. I, I I think we need to talk about their opponents this week. Leicester, that's the last team they want to be playing as well, I think, at the moment. Because they are dynamic, they got pace, and now looking like they have... Well, they they do, They do. already had a very clinical striker, but now they've got two. Yeah, definitely. It has been a bit of a mixed season, but yeah, Slomani in his debut getting two-headed goals. That's like He's got seven for Sporting in 2016 alone. And now two more for Leicester. And with the sort of pace of Vardy and Mares, and now the aerial threat of Slimani, it doesn't matter who they're playing, but especially a team like United that seems to be giving their opponents so much space, they could really cause massive problems. Last week against Watford, they gave loads of space to the fullbacks, Yamat and uh, Holobas. And if they do that to Leicester and give them space down the width, they'll get loads of crosses in and it could be a really heavy scoreline. It could be. I, I mean, going back to United's uh, defeat against Watford, all three goals came from late midfield runs, which were not tracked by Paul Pogba. Fellaini dropped into an auxiliary three at the back, and the, the midfielder, be it Zuniga, be it Etienne Capoue, none of them were tracked by uh, Pogba, who was supposed to be playing alongside Fellaini. Um, if he persists with playing Pogba alongside um, whoever... Uh, in the base of a two, well, in a two-man pivot, then that's 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 just a rep- recipe for disaster, I think. Contrasting fortunes for United's rivals with Pep Guardiola's Man City side absolutely flying at the moment, just winning ev- absolutely every game they play, and they'll be coming up against a struggling Swansea side. So. I mean, Bour- Bournemouth never had a chance, did they, poor fellas? And uh, they played apparently the best attack in football that Man City have come up against. You've got to love that dig from Guardiola. <laughs> He's got a JCB with that dig. <laughs> well, Swansea face, obviously, like, like we said, Swansea face City, but they've also got Arsenal and Liverpool coming up in the next few weeks. So they might just have to ride this period out, I think. Yeah, I mean, they, they it was a tight game between uh, uh, Swansea and Southampton last week. Kind of view them very similarly as clubs. 
kind of they both came up together they both done about the same as far as ones you want a cup they were quite fortunate I think to get anything from Chelsea to be honest but they did so they'll take heart from that but man see they're just blowing teams away and they haven't even got Aguero Iheanacho seems to score every time he plays or, or be involved in, in a goal somehow um, De Bruyne is just tearing up the Premier League right now. He's 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 showing Pogba. Well, this is it. Yeah, Guardiola is getting the best out of Sterling, and not having Aguero is not. Yeah, like I said, it's not made any difference. Having Kevin De Bruyne in the form he's in, looking what? like looking like a new man. Well, not a new man because he was phenomenal last year as well, but looking like a player that will absolutely dominate the Premier League I, I don't know Sterling wasn't phenomenal last no no time. Kevin De Bruyne oh sorry sorry yeah um, and like you said Iheanacho he scored with 10 of his last 14 shots on target that's incredible uh, granted they've a lot of them have been kind of tap-ins but You've he's part of that yeah he's, yeah he's part of that counter-attack and Swansea also faced City in the cup tonight uh, they've, they've just lost and Man City have been drawn against Man United pretty much as we speak there's quite a few good uh, fixtures in the Rumbelow's Cup. <laughs> there's a Spur- Liverpool Spurs. There's another good fixture. Yeah, there is. Uh, and Arsenal Reading, which was high scoring the last time these two yeah, the teams last time met. they met in the uh, Milk Cup was uh, five all <laughs> that at the end of normal time, and then seven five. So back to Swansea. You kind of mentioned they're quite similar to Southampton. You see them as quite similar clubs. And I know what you mean. They kind of have a philosophy and they're fairly stable Premier League sides. But it seems like this season, now that Ashley Williams has left and Neil Taylor's been dropped, that core that core of that defence seems a bit disjointed and they don't feel like the same consistent side they have been over the last few years. And it'll be really crucial to see whether... Uh, Francesco Greedland can can recover their form. I, 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 what do you do have doubts as to whether or not they will maintain, remain a a Premier League club? It's it's so early on in the season, but if you have a really bad start and then they've got three tough games coming up by the end of October, if they're if there's other teams around them that have picked up a few points here or there. They could be struggling, and if kind of Greenland gets the sack, then they might have a bit of more instability. They've got about three really good players, though. I mean, Fabianski's becoming an incredible keeper now. Gilfie Sigurdsson as well, quality attacking midfielder, and Llorente. Um, and, and besides, there there are definitely three worst teams in them in, in the Premier League. So, well, we just have to wait and see. We will. A team that everyone, including ourselves, wrote off was Hull. But they've started the season quite well. And they'll be coming up against Liverpool at Anfield. Another game that I'll be going up to. So yeah, Liverpool had a great win against Chelsea last week that we touched on. And another good win against Derby midweek. And it seems like we're kind of going through games and just winning where we need to. We had Burton in the previous round of the Cup. And yeah, granted, they're not a huge side, but it's seemed like over the last few years, going into those fixtures, you just never know what's going to happen. And I think 
this game against Hull is actually quite crucial because we dropped points against Burnley, we lost against Burnley earlier on in the season. And one criticism that's been leveled at Liverpool is that they do well against the bigger sides. Klopp's formation suits that. But coming up against a team that plays a low block, we struggle. And I'm sure that's how Hull will set up. And so, yeah, it will be, it will be a, quite a testing fixture, I think. I think well, against Arsenal, Hull, Hull were pretty unfortunate to go down to 10 men. It would have been a bit more of a contest had he remained on the pitch. Uh, Livermore. Um, that's going to be a big loss for them. Not having Livermore at the centre of, center of defence. They're, they're stretched as well as it is. In a way, I think the same about Liverpool, to be honest. Because you're 2-1 up against Chelsea. And you and I watched the game together. And I said, you need to bring another midfielder on. And the options from the bench were pretty sparse, to be honest. And with the intensity of the way that Liverpool play, it's a question of what you're definitely going to have to add in January, 100%, because I don't think Klopp has rolled out a full quota of signings, basically, this summer. I'm I'm sure he would have preferred to have added a holding midfielder as well. Um, But he, in terms of midfield options he had to bring on, he had Stewart and Lucas, which they're not huge names, are they? They're, they're not huge... Lucas has got talent but he's approaching the twilight of his career I think there's also Emery Chan to come back into yeah, the side that, as well that's going to be big as well actually um, but regardless the, the depth is going to be an issue especially with the intensity of football that Liverpool play Hull, not at this early stage of the season um, Hull have had 14 players well, Hull, Hull have had a real Quality in that area of the pitch with Sam Klukas, which is someone we mentioned. He's been one of the revelations this season, hasn't he? Yeah, and I, this, I think this will be his toughest game of the season so far. With, with all the runners Liverpool have from midfield, like Wijnaldum, Lallana, Coutinho, uh, Firmino, Mane. So names go on and I think he'll he'll struggle if he doesn't have that support next to him. Loris Karius also got his debut for Liverpool midweek, the new goalkeeper. Didn't have too much to do, but... He was kind of playing as a sweeper keeper, came out a few times, looked good with his feet, much better than Mignolet does. Klopp said that he doesn't have a first-choice keeper. And I can understand why he said that. I think he's trying to instill confidence in both of them, make sure they're both kind of fighting it out, maximising their sort of potential. But I think come the international break, which is, I think, quite soon, they'll probably have a swap. And I think Karius will start the next game after the international break. Should we have a little fact check there? Let's do that. And that seems like a good time to take a break. So we'll see you after this short message. What about the first goal? There's some controversy around that debate about whether he fouled the man. I think no debate. I think no no controversy. I think that is a, an obvious situation, like it was obvious last week against... Um, against Man City. What the fuck? Welcome back. We were at Anfield before the break, so shall we head to the Bournemouth-Everton game next? Everton look good, don't they? They do. They look really good, actually, this season. But they do tend to start seasons quite well. I think the difference here, though, is they've got a... A manager who's 
who's like the anti-Martinez. He's like, everything has to be organised to a T, yeah. kind of. He doesn't suffer fools. He's, He's super pragmatic. Exactly. And the spine of this team is, is incredible. Like, Steckenberg is an amazing addition. Um, in defence, they got Jagielka, who is in defence, he's second or third in, in the league table for all the key stats. Um, and Ashley Williams as well now. And Ashley Williams, of course. And the two holding midfielders they have, uh, Gareth Barry, who obviously played his 600th Premier League game. Scored um, in it as well, didn't scored he? Scored in it, quite a decent finish. And probably the the signing of the summer, I would say, in terms of value, uh, of Idrissa Gay, who's who's just been unbelievable. I mean, the statistics last season for Aston Villa, I mean, it's everyone seems to be saying this now, but they, they were only second behind N'Golo Kante. But this season, 31 tackles, 10 more than anyone else in the league, 350 passes, second in the league. He's covered the most ground. I mean, his ta- tackle success rate is 77%, which is pretty incredible. And uh, I think he leads the league in interceptions as well. He's just everywhere. And then you go in front of them. You've got Lukaku, obviously, up front, who's who's scored five goals now this season. No, four goals, sorry. Yeah. But one one thing with Everton, though, is it seems when Ross Barkley plays well, Everton play well, and and likewise when he's not performing, they, they they seem to lack a bit of creativity when he's not performing well. That, that, that's bollocks, actually, because he got hooked off at half-time yeah, yeah. <laughs> against uh, um, Sunderland, and they went on to win 3-0 in the second half. Yeah, but again, it's like that Sunderland defence was poor. Uh, he quite, he reacted well the next game. He did. Definitely um, did. Didn't give the ball away. <laughs> no. But that's, that is the problem with him. I think he's very direct, very like aggressive going forward, and yeah, he, he can does, give the ball he away. He does need to kind of just slow down a bit. Like, not with his intensity, but just with his speed of thought. Everton looked thoroughly dominant against Middlesbrough. But I think Middlesbrough didn't have a shot on target all game, to be honest. We haven't really talked about Bournemouth. They've really struggled this season. They got taken apart by City. Although saying that, City have been City phenomenal. to anyone, to be honest. Yeah. But they have been conceding goals. That Not only they concede four against City, they've conceded three against Preston as well yesterday so it's something Eddie Howe really needs to look at granted he is one of those people that constantly analyzes the game and he mentioned it after the City game that he wasn't he wasn't like he he could quite easily have turned around and said yeah City have far more resources than us they're a much better side than us but no he was he was saying yeah we need to look at ourselves we need to analyze our game and try and improve on it which is the perfect attitude to have really Jack Wilshire had a bit of a baptism there, yeah, I'm sure he would have wanted to do well against Man City for 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 his parent club, but he really didn't get in the game at all, did he? No, I, I don't think he had more than twenty or thirty touches. He's going to have to improve. They will be at home. I, I think they will play a lot more of a pragmatic game. To be honest, they don't want to be on the end of another hiding. Yeah, well, I don't think that Eddie Howe has. Any worry about being the first manager to be sacked? I think he's quite highly regarded. Two managers that do look likely, most likely to leave their clubs, whether that's because of a forced hand or whether it's because of their choice, 
is Mark Hughes and Tony Pulis. Stoke and West Brom have... Isn't the most exciting game of the weekend, but Stoke have been horrendously bad and so far. Been spanked. And West, and West Brom scored four last weekend. When was the last time you remember West Brom scoring four? Or any Tony Pulis side? Nasser Chadley had a hell of a debut, didn't he? He had a part in all four goals against West Ham. And the desire he showed for his second goal was something to behold. Like his head up, sprinting from the edge of his box to get on the end of a, get on the end of a square ball was really good to see, actually. He didn't really get the opportunity to Tottenham. He's not a bad player, certainly, and I think he's really going to help West Brom add some attacking flair. I mean, they've got Stoke this week and Sunderland next week. They're already on seven points. And if they can get to the um, the international break on 13 points, which is quite conceivable, I I don't think Pulis is going to be under threat at all. The takeover's been uh, completed now, I believe. Yeah, I don't think it... With Pulis, it's not so much a worry of him, his job being at, uh, under any threat, but he wasn't happy with the fact that they didn't sign anyone in summer and there was a bit of hold-up with the new board, I think. So it could be a case that he chooses to leave, which would create a bit of instability at West Brom. And I think some of the fans have been criticising him as well for the style of football. It's, it's Tony Pulis. You know what you're going to get when you, when, you, when you appoint him as your manager. You're going to get... Safety, basically. And it's, it's, it's be careful what you wish for, really, because look at Stoke now. Mark Hughes did really well last season, but they're just getting spanked every week. Exactly. Um, and I mean, similarly with Crystal Palace, um, they were teetering on the edge there at the end of last season, and they, they took that form into the start of this season. But when even when Pulis took over them, they were they were all but down before Christmas, and he came in and. They were comfortably home by the end of that season. It's They were never really going to splash too much cash before the takeover was done. Um, I think the January window is going to be an op- opportunity for him to actually bring in some players that he wants to bring in. Um, in the same way Hull weren't able to do any, make any signings because they were in the midst of a takeover. The old owners aren't going to want to spend the money, which they're never going to recoup. He, I, I don't see him leaving, to be honest, of his own accord. Mark Hughes looks a bit haggard. He looks like he's been out dogging. Yeah, he does. Poor guy. Oh, lucky guy. Well, <laughs> defense. I want to be on. Want to be on the inside of that window. That's what I mean. <laughs> Two of the biggest underachieving clubs this season have been West Ham and Southampton. They'll come up against each other on the weekend. Another game at the uh, London Stadium. Wonder if we'll see the same kind of. Crowd trouble the last time. Uh, or a third 4-2 defeat in a row. They look they look shot. I don't know what's going on with them. They're the same players as last season, but they just they feel like they've already done it, it seems. Like there's no intensity there, there's no I don't know, when I look through that squad, I, I look at I look at it and I'm just like, it's not actually that good. I felt like last season they were better. I don't know why. That's not it. Particularly got rid of anyone, but... Checking the rest of the world's got better. <laughs> yeah, everyone's more expensive. <laughs> well, yeah, but other clubs have signed kind of bigger name players. Yeah, they kept Pyatt, which is, I suppose, a massive thing. But aside from the first 11, it just feels like they're a bit light. 
And I don't know whether they just massively overachieved last year. There was a lot of times where they scored absolute worldies. Mm. And that could have masked a lot of the problems they were having. They rode that pirate wave kind of, didn't they? Like he just, he was just Massive. incredible. And yeah. like, to be honest, despite the fact that, uh, West Ham have been a bit shite this season, Pyatt still has delivered a few moments of absolute magic. I mean, it's a free kick. The Makita Cup was pretty decent. <laughs> yeah. And if nothing else, then you're guaranteed that Makai Antonio will score a header at some point. Yeah, exactly. At some point. We haven't really spoken about Southampton though. Charlie Austin's decided that he has actually got ligaments in his knee. Scored four goals now, hasn't he? They do look like they now have a proper goal scorer. When they signed him from uh, QPR, was it last year or the year before? Four million pounds. Yeah, I thought it was such a good deal and then he just didn't play. Granted, mostly because of injury. Well, we've got a few games left to cover, so let's just try and get through them. Pal- <laughs> <laughs> let's try and wade through this shite. <laughs> um... Palace Sunderland. Not exactly the most inspiring game of all time. Pards, though, off the back of uh, a couple of victories. Consecutive... Let me put my teeth back in. Consecutive victories for the first time in 2016. He is, he was he was ecstatic, wasn't he? Did you see that little tuft of hair that he had sticking out on, on his, the crown of his head? He was I'm wagging. I'm just like glad he did a dog with two dicks. <laughs> I'm just glad he didn't do his fucking stupid dance. Yeah. I'd like to see David Moyes do that dance. That would be funnier. I don't want to see David Moyes ever. My precious. <laughs> um, Patrick Van Arnholt. That's the most interesting Sunderland news. <laughs> that was fucking weird, wasn't it? So, yeah, he he was told before, well, while he was warming up by Jason Denier that he was going to replace him in the team. And he looked really surprised that like he didn't know about it. But the negative thing is that turns out it's because of a heart scan he had with questionable results. Mm. He seems to think that he's fine to play. But yeah, obviously we hope that everything is all right with him. Palace look good going forward now as well. Benteke is a really good outlet for them. You see them getting some goals. Zaha's got a few goals as well. Yeah. And uh, Andros Andros Townsend as well. He he played a blinder the other day. Great goal as well. Typical Townsend finish, wasn't it? He's got a right foot, really, as well, isn't he? Like, yeah. He's, he's not exclusively left foot as he was in the, initially. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah, I could see Palace getting another win, actually. Mm. And Kabari hasn't been playing as well, which is slightly peculiar. All right, then. I'm just going to ask you flat out. What's your scoreline prediction for Palace under then? Um, I think it'll be a draw. 2-2. Two, two. I'm going to go 3-1 Palace win. Sunderland's defence just looks piss poor at the moment. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Well, actually, you convinced me. I'm with you. I'll go 3-1 and all. I'll copy you. <laughs> Burnley Watford. <laughs> didn't take much convincing. <laughs> didn't, it really didn't take much convincing. <laughs> Burnley Watford is the last game of the weekend. Penultimate. But it's the last game on Sunday. Ooh. Monday. Happy Bay. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we spoke about Watford before. Their performance at, well, at Recruit Road against Man United was really impressive. Zuniga came off the bench, looked rapid. Looked slightly beastly, didn't he? Yeah. Um, second touch, he uh, scores a goal and then wins the penalty. 
Pereira looks like a good signing as well. Yang Matt was playing pretty damn well, wasn't he, as well? Going forward, though, he's always quite strong he's mm. defensively that he's a bit suspect. Dean, like, he's such a good captain. He's a proper leader there, isn't he? And, like, the way he's he's been conducting himself in interviews and stuff, he's... He, he's not uh, overawed by Man United or yeah. whoever they come up against. Like he's he's uh, he's such a good leader on and off the pitch, I think. Especially with a club like Watford, where they have such a huge turnaround in managers. He's that kind of beacon of consistency as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, bit, of a, bit of a wild card kind of choice. But could you see him, if he carries on the way he's playing now, getting a uh, cap under... A Sam Allardyce England team kind of seems, seems to... like the kind of player that Sam Allardyce would would like to be honest in the kind of someone like him with like I don't know someone like Deli Ali behind him or Ross Barkley behind him well, as a one up front yeah like a one up front with with someone close behind him I would play him behind someone else like uh, uh, Harry Kane obviously. yeah yeah but yeah I, I don't see why not and um... you mentioned uh, Harry Kane. He obviously went off injured for Spurs, who take on Borough at Riverside. That's a big loss for them. Yeah. And, and it looks like a bad one as well. Yeah. Uh, he went in for a tackle. His ankle just looked like it pinged, didn't it? Yeah. His, his, yeah he, he, he rushed into ankle that ligaments. tackle. He did, yeah. He did rush into that tackle. Ankle, ankle ligaments are a tough one, though. Yeah. Shades of Gaza. But... He, he managed to comfort himself by sucking his thumb. But <laughs> <laughs> he's on the stretcher. Did you see that? <laughs> it is posted on our Twitter as well. Do you um, reckon that's a bit of a banana skin for Spurs? Like, Borough are a bit of a mixed side. They started season really well. They've had a few inconsistent results, but... They got spanked by Everton. Yeah. They did not look like they were out for anything. They, they need to fix up, to be honest. Otherwise, Tottenham are going to hurt him with or without Harry Kane. I mean, um, I think Janssen got his debut goal uh, midweek. Which one haven't I used? Um, Little Woods Cup. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, going back to that game, did you see uh, the post-match with Tottenham legend Justin Edinburgh? Did he lo- he looks like Harry Kane in the future. <laughs> we'll post a picture on our Twitter. I did see it, yeah. We'll post a picture on our Twitter. He does look like a Harry Kane in 40 years' time. Uh, the positive news for Spurs, despite losing Harry Kane, is that they'll definitely be keeping Deli Ali for the future. He signed a new six-year contract. I think that was yesterday. So that would be positive news for Spurs. Mm. Other positive news is that I don't see anything but a Spurs victory here. And it could be quite convincing. They're not conceding any goals. They're... Tottenham had the most convincing 1-0 victory against Sunderland, but something doesn't seem right there in terms of the goal scoring. I know they scored four against Stoke, but who, who does? <laughs> yeah, it seems like everyone's scoring four um, against Stoke these days. Uh, it just seems like goal scoring is going to be an issue. They, I mean, they're five goals. They've scored, I mean, they've got, scored eight goals in five games. You take away the four from Stoke. It just doesn't, something doesn't feel right there. Well, I think they were experimenting with trying to fit both Janssen and Kane to the same team, playing Kane as a number 10 
that, that could be part of the reason where earlier on in the season, or well, the first couple of games of the season, they weren't. Plan B. They only did that as substitution moves. Mm. They never started with that, did they? Yeah, but that could be another reason why they've not necessarily kicked on in some of the games and really mm. put two or three past teams apart from Stoke. Another positive for Tottenham is Ericsson looks on it. Against Stoke, he, he looked imperious. Uh, he scored two goals in midweek. Um, Lamella's looking good as well, complimenting him. Exactly. So, so, yeah. I think they will be looking for more goals from midfield. Yeah. We were saying uh, last week that Chadley, before he left, was their second highest scorer in 2016. They do need more goals from midfield. And if Ericsson and Lamella and Dele now Janssen and Dele Alli can, can chip in with a few more goals, then... That can be crucial for Tottenham throughout the league campaign. They're going to need Jansen to because Kane looks like he's going to be out for a while. I think that pretty much sums up the Premier League for the weekend, doesn't it? And I, I guarantee when we come to recording, the next the next episode will uh, probably be wrong about a few results. And uh, you can uh, hurl abuse at us on, on Twitter if uh, we said your team is going to lose. Or just throw stuff at us in the street. It's, it's fine. People do it anyway. Mm. Post Brexit era and all that. <laughs> Speaking of which, let's have a quick roundup of Europe. <laughs> well, let's start off with Scotland, where Joey Barton's been in the headlines constantly. Before the Old Firm derby, where Rangers got absolutely battered, he had a bit of a spat with Scott Brown and then was also saying that Celtic aren't a big club. Obviously, Rangers went on to get absolutely hammered. And then he fell out with Mark Warburton, his manager, and some of his teammates after criticising pretty much everybody. Three-week ban. Given a three-week ban. And now, apparently, he's being investigated for placing bets on the Celtic-Barcelona game. <laughs> he just he's just can't do anything right. Yeah, he's, a, he's got a book out at the moment as well, hasn't he? So yeah. he's, he's probably aligned everything so he can go on tour. Yeah. Um... Yeah, what else happened in Spain? Uh, Madrid. Spain happened. Spain happened, yeah. Madrid broke their uh, club record for 16 straight La Liga wins, but they couldn't follow up with the 17th tonight. They drew one all with Villarreal. Uh, they went behind to a Penenka, didn't they? They did, yeah. And Barcelona and Atletico also finished one all. So that's probably quite a positive result for Real Madrid. Italy, there was a shock result last weekend in the Derby d'Italia. We spoke about how poor Inter have been this season, but they managed a 2-1 win against Juventus. Have been behind. Yeah, well, Juventus side that didn't start with Higuain, so I don't know how seriously they were taking it, which seems a bit strange. De Boer, like, having lost in Europe as well. Uh... Heavily against uh, Beersheba. Apple Beersheba who lost against Celtic. Celtic. Yeah, yeah. De Boer looked like he was under real pressure, but uh, a victory in the Italian derby will do a lot to alleviate for sure said pressure. In Germany, we had first against second Bayern against Hertha Berlin. Bayern building on their strong start to the season with another win. Dortmund, after two consecutive 5-1 victories, could only manage a draw, which will be a bit of a bit of a disappointment to them, especially uh, 
for disappointment for me as well. I said at the beginning of the season that they were my favourites to win the Bundesliga. Still a long way to go though. Uh, no, I, I blame you. It's all my fault. It's all your fault. Dortmund fans blame me. France. That's probably the most interesting, actually. One last thing in Germany. Did you see Serge Gnabry's volley? Yes. What a hit! <laughs> it's a shame he can't help Bremen off the bottom off the of bottom of the league. league yeah. yeah. But what a consolation that was after losing four one. <laughs> Phenomenal volley! It was ball over the top and he smashed it over first the time. shoulder. Yeah, quality strike. France, a win for nominative determinism as Nice. Sit top of Liga after beating their rivals Monaco 4 0. Two more goals for Mario Balotelli. To add to his brace last weekend. A bit of a Newcastle watch in the Championship because <laughs> we've mentioned them a few times now without uh, mentioning any of the other teams. I just really want them to do well. I don't know why. I, yeah, no, I like them as well. Obviously, I've I like got Rafa. Uh, yeah, I got a soft spot for Rafa. But they did lose against Walter Zenger's Wolves. And then we've got two Champions League winners coming up against each other, Rafa and Roberto Di Matteo. Mm. What's your prediction for that game? Uh, Newcastle. Newcastle, yeah. Villa look really shaky. They don't look great at all. I think they might actually struggle to come back up. They won't. I'm going to go 2-0. Prag- a pragmatic 2-0 Rafa win. I'm going to go 4 Ballsy. Ballsy. It's late, and I think it's time for us to wrap it up now. Yeah. Let us know what you've thought about this format, whether you prefer us reviewing the weekend's action or previewing it. Follow us on Twitter, at 3 and Pod, and subscribe on iTunes, Acast, or download our episodes from SoundCloud. Yeah. And we'll catch you next time. See you later.